My guest today is an actor, director, show host, and drag queen, part of the House of Olive. You've seen them on season two of Camp Wanakiki, where they won Miss Congeniality, as well as in places such as the Austin International Drag Festival. I'm happy to have with me today the very talented Vivica Galactica. Hello. Hello. How are you? Great. How are you? I am fantastic. Perfect. So, I suppose before we start off finding out about you, we should know a little bit about your drag aesthetic and persona. So, can you tell the listeners at home who may not be familiar, like... Your shtick. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. My name is Vivica Galactica, and I am a stepmom from outer space. So when I started drag, I really wanted to hit the idea of being like a space queen. You know, originally I wanted to be a space cowgirl, mm-hmm. and that didn't really stick for too long because who really likes listening to country music that much? <laughs> and so as I was on Camp Wanakiki, and as I started kind of building my aesthetic and my mixes and kind of finding out who I am on the microphone, I really created this like mother character but she's from space and so she wouldn't have any kids of her own and so just being a stepmom from outer space is kind of perfect because you can just love everybody equally have you always been like the stepmom figure in your friend group i'm that friend that's always like don't do that or i'm really specific with them and i give them like harsh feedback and sometimes they're like ow But it's going around social media for like the past five years that your harshest friend is your realest friend. But also I, um, I just, I love providing opportunities and platforms. And so I had the show back in Denver called Weirdo that is a huge success and it's still going on. It's in its third year right now. Congratulations. Thank you. And it was really one of the first stages in Denver that celebrated all kinds of performers. And so just by doing that, I think that it kind of allowed me to create this motherly character as well. Before you did drag, you were working as like an actor all across Denver? Um, yeah, in Denver, I was an actor. I was a, uh, I did some directing proje- projects and it was really fun. I saw a play out here when I was visiting called Straight and I brought it to Denver and I directed it out there. Huh. And I was doing that as I was starting drag. So it was this kind of transfer of passion project and it was great it was fun um but i had been working for apple i had quit my apple job to go to school for being a hairstylist and that never happened Mm. so i just was a server for a while until i picked up acting and directing again i took some classes at the denver center for performing arts and drag just kind of stumbled into my life and it hasn't left yet and it's brought me here What was your first exposure to drag? My first exposure to drag was there is this queen in Laramie, Wyoming. I used to go to school in Laramie, Wyoming, and they had this drag bingo that had it was a fundraiser for the Wyoming AIDS project. And there was this 400, 500 pound drag performer, Hmm. um, and she was just this huge icon in all of Wyoming and her name was Ruby Slippers. And she was the first drag queen that I ever saw live in person. And then that was way before everything started happening in terms of drag in my life. So from when I was in Denver and performing and living, one of my friends and roommates from Wyoming, actually, she was a drag performer and I went to support her as she was in a duet with a friend with a person at Charlie's in Denver and I guess show creator and producer of that ended up becoming one of my drag moms, which Mm. is really cool. 
So was it love at first sight or was it kind of like a delayed It attachment? was a delayed attachment. I was going through a lot of photos and my first time ever getting into drag. When I was living in Laramie, I did a zombie drag queen for a Halloween costume at one point and I kind of forgot about that until I found it recently when I was going through old pictures. Drag happened to me because I was delegate for Bernie Sanders in 2016 Mm -hmm. and what ended up happening was I had some friends who were in the local Denver scene and I was like hey I know that drag queens do a lot of like fundraising I have to get to Philadelphia because I'm a national delegate for Bernie do you think you guys could put together a fundraiser for me? And the fundraiser ended up happening. And that was my debut performing in drag. And I did uh, Don't Rain in My Parade and a terrible duet with my then drag mother (laughs) to take me or leave me. And it was every theater queen's dream come true. Was it destiny that you ended up choosing drag as that fundraiser? Or like, how did you come to decide that? Huh, like this will be the way that I earn my ticket. It was destiny. I had no idea. So like there are things that like stand out in life that are like little mile markers that you look back and think on. And for me, like face painting was something I always loved, Mm -hmm. but I never thought that I would be like a face painter. Right. So when I started, I most drag queens, you know, I started and I started drag late too. I was 28 when I first started drag. And so now here in New York, there's these like 21, 22, 23 year old girls who are like, just work in the house down boots and they've been doing makeup on themselves for years and I had never the only makeup that I touched was like stage makeup class for theater when I was going to school in Laramie and so like I had an understanding of it but only in terms of stage not drag not changing your face or anything like that so I really had to play catch up once everything happened to go back to what you were talking about the fundraiser, you said that it was because you were a delegate for the Sanders campaign. Mm-hmm. How did that come to be? And have you always considered yourself a political person? I have always considered myself a political person. I'm definitely, you know, like I get more and more active as life goes on. And I'm really excited to be living in Queens now to where I'm in AOC's district now. And so hopefully I'll be able to jump on and help in some way, shape or form there. I realized that I wasn't connected with my community the people that were living right next to me and I was like well what can I do and so I was like you know what I'm in a caucus and so I went and I caucused and I liked this guy named Bernie Sanders and I went to go caucus for him and I ended up kind of like being a leader because caucuses are rough because they're like a bunch of betas that are like I'm going to support the system but I don't know how to lead a room of people and so I was like Okay, so I basically ran the caucus, even though I had never been to one. And then I was part of the Bernie delegation for my caucus, which is just this cute little like three block radius. And then from there, I was a a representative for my caucus in my precinct. That's what it was in my precinct to go to county convention. And then the county convention went to the state and Um, congressional convention and I went to both of those at the state one I basically ran for to be a delegate to be a national delegate and I won and it was exciting how does one win that 
How does one win that? I had a bunch of people go up with me. Um, so it was in Northern Colorado. It was at the Budweiser Event Center in Fort Collins. And, and like there are like thousands of people at this one arena and they're all voting on something. And it's so crazy. And it's like the room was divided because it's Hillary versus Bernie, of course. Yeah. And so like that was also very interesting. And so I was running amongst the Bernie people. So I wasn't running against any of the Hillary people because she got her own delegates. Yeah. So what I did is I, so I got Tootsie Pops and I printed these like mailing label stickers that said vote for Spencer on it. And then I had a team of six people passing out the Tootsie Pops to all the people that had Bernie delegation information on them. And it ended up working. And I got the call like th that night or the next night that it had marked. That's awesome. It was so cool. You ended up moving to New York as a spur of the moment decision. Mm -hmm. uh, what was your experience with the city prior to moving here? Uh, the city prior to moving here um, was, so the first time that I ever came to New York City was in 2011 when I first got bit by Wanderlust. And I decided that I was going to move out of Wyoming, I was going to transfer to UNC and I didn't have anything to do. And so I applied for a uh, summer camp in Connecticut called Bucks Rock mm -hmm. <laughs> to be a like boys counselor. And so I was a counselor there and I decided that I was going to leave and be a um, be in New York for five or six days before. And so I did. And it was everything it was so great um and i remember i have this tattoo where here uh to where i got off laguardia i got on the bus and it dropped me off and i walked to where my couch surfer was because i was an avid couch surfer at the time and i remember having everything that meant the it meant anything to me in my backpack with my suitcase and i was like they made this realization that Everything that I had done to get there, I had done on my own and I had fought for it myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a huge moment for me to realize that. And so I was like, I want to remember this moment. And so I did a 360 degree view, uh, like turn around and right behind me was this tattoo. And, or not tattoo, it was this graffiti piece. And so I got it as a tattoo, as a reminder to be like, if you want anything in life, you got to work for it because no one's going to hand anything to you. That's cute. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. And then... You finally ended up moving here legit. After what, like five or six times. What made you choose like New York over like an L.A. or something like that? First of all, I I, I, li I was living in Denver without having a car um, for a solid like two years. And I started really loving it. And if I moved to L.A., I would have to have a car. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. But uh, when it came to coming out here i actually things were going great in denver i was paying my rent off of one drag show huh <laughs> and it was so great because it was a weekly drag show and i made good money my bar really took care of me and i had everything going well and um one day i went out of my apartment went across the street to the amazon pickup box got it walked back across the street not where there was a stoplight or anything and I had my headphones in and I stepped up onto a median and then I was looking into the sky and I stepped out onto the street and I stepped right in front of a Honda CRV mm. and um, it knocked me out of my Birkenstocks. Um, 
And like, if I was wearing tennis shoes, like, I don't know what would have happened, but like, it's so crazy. So I went over onto the car and I don't remember if I got a concussion from hitting my head on the car or if I got a concussion on hitting my head on the ground afterwards. But I fully don't remember the CAT scan or the ambulance ride or the x-ray or anything there are like moments that pop up like I think I called my dad when I was in the ambulance and so like my grandma and brother rushed down and met me and they live like in northern Colorado so it took them like an hour to drive down and my mom ended up waking me up with this little bottle of essential oils yep that sounds about right (laughs) when the doctors weren't looking (laughs) and so I was in this like thing I remember like puking off the side of the (laughs) the bed um it was this whole mess And I walked out of the hospital that night after being hit by a car on a major intersection in Colorado. Wow. And after that, after like a week of like recovery, figuring things out, I was just like, was my life at that point worth everything that I had done? Like, Mm -hmm. did I get everything done? And it wasn't. And I just wasn't happy. It's not that I wasn't happy. I was very happy. I was very thankful for everything that was happening in Denver for me. But I realized that I wanted more with my life. And so... I decided to go, I worked up a fundraiser for myself and I went to a physical theater workshop in California and then I still wanted more after I was done with that. So I was like, I'm going to go to New York City for DragCon. And so I bought myself a DragCon ticket and I was like, oh, great. And I want to go to Bushwick too. And so I really thought that it was weekend weekend, but it was actually bookend weekends. And so after I had bought my DragCon ticket, I was like, oh crap, what am I going to do? And so I was like, I could fly there, fly back, fly there, fly back for both because I was committed to doing that. I was, or I could just move there. (laughs) And I was working a dead shift at the bar that I had my drag show at and no one was there. And I was like, oh, that's it. I'm going to do it. Hmm. And so I did it. And I'm still here. <laughs> Do you have any regrets? No. I don't. I I see my show still thriving and doing well in Denver. I see a lot of the restrictions that the queens have living in Denver, just in terms of being in a smaller town, being in a place that doesn't have as many venues and not very performer friendly. They're making it work. They're doing great things out there. But the best part about living here in New York is the opportunity has been endless. And I have found stages to do the kinds of shows that I want to do on. And I really get to work on really figuring out who I am um, and being inspired by the enti- the three different kinds of drag out here that are so right next to each other. Like mm. there's New York City drag, there's Brooklyn drag, and there's Jersey drag. Mm. And I don't think a lot of people give the Jersey girls enough of a kind of enough of a presence in the difference of drag that's out here. But I think that just the hustle that the Jersey girls have and everything out there is just really nice. And it's this small town vibe, uh, even though they have like Asbury Park and like Jersey city, like they're still hustling out there, but it's just very different from what we're used to seeing, I guess, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense whatsoever. On the topic of being able to do stuff that you want to do here, I heard that you're directing a play. So I was directing a play. One of the big things out here is that New York provides a lot of opportunities. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can bite off more than you can chew. Mm -hmm. So 
I was directing a play called The Eight Rainier Monologues, um, and it was supposed to go up like uh, a week or two ago. And I also had um, been going through the process of getting approved for weight loss surgery and everything like that. And mm-hmm. so a lot of things started coming into my life at once. And I was called by the theater that I was producing the show at and was told, hey, you know what? We would rather not do the show than go into debt for it. So we're going <laughs> to cancel it. And um, it was a hard pill to swallow, especially mm-hmm. having to call all eight of my cast members after all the work that we've done in it. Yeah, that's annoying. Um, it's very annoying. But, you know, I think that it was a very important lesson for me to learn and I'm still going to learn it. Um, it doesn't push me out of it away anymore. You know, it just means that the next project that I do is going to be a lot more sweeter. Mm-hmm. But it's also interesting. Like you learn so much about things, especially producing stuff out here. And so it definitely lights a fire under my ass too. I really want to create a drag and queer centric theater company out here. Mm -hmm. And I really want to work on devised shows and I really want to create and put the lives and the stories of what we as queer people have gone through onto a stage so people can see what there is. So one thing that I'm kind of directing and producing on a consistent basis, my next one's going to be in January 23rd. I have the show called MTA, which is mutually tortured artists. Mm. And it is a variety show that is also performance piece, performance art piece, because there's no intros or anything like that. There is a set to the show. There's people, there's times that people are on stage, there's times that people are off, but the stage is set up like a train. And it's the what would happen if the the life of the person that was across from you came to life in front of you um, and you saw it. Because when I was living here, you know, like last December, and August, which shouldn't be a hard month because it's my birthday and I'm a Leo. Yeah. And August should be everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are my hardest months. And I went back to thinking about my hardest times. And these were on the subway when I was the loneliest because I knew nobody. But I was also surrounded by the most people in the time at the subway. And we we're all on our phones. We're all doing something. But we're all keeping to ourselves because we're so crowded. And then I started thinking... You know, in the first year that I was here, I spent a total of 23 days on the subway. If you do all Mm. the math, I spent 23 days on the subway my first year living in New York City. Hmm. Um, And that's a lot of time to be alone. It's a lot of time to think. Yeah. And so I was like, what happens like, I, I, I want, what's that person's story? They're in New York. They're the biggest city in the world. And they happen to be sitting right across from me. What's their story? Mm-hmm. And so that's what came up. And so I'm creating that. I'm producing it. And it's awesome. And the next one's going to be on the 23rd. I have some amazing performers coming down. And I'm really excited about it. That's awesome. What would you say is your proudest accomplishment? You know what? Right now, I would say that my proudest accomplishment has been being able to move and thrive in New York. I'm very happy here. There are people in Denver who did not believe for a second that I would make it out here. And they very easily could have been right, you know, but I have found a community here. I have found friendships in people that sometimes are at odds with each other, but every time and every people and every person that I meet, I try to be intentional with them. And that's something that I brought from Colorado is being intentional and being genuine and speaking a lot with my heart. And that has allowed me to be able to really set myself up for success out here. And I'm only looking forward to next year and the year after 2020 is going to be an amazing year. 
but right after that, and I think that is probably part of my New York City success is being on Camp Wanikiki. It was a really awesome experience, if only just to have an opportunity to work with literally there were 20 to 23 queer or queer adjacent people that were working on a camp in Wisconsin in the middle of nowhere for 10 days, just doing drag and celebrating this art form. And I made some of the best friends of my entire life there. Can't ask for anything better than that. Right. It's so great. So on the other side of the spectrum, what would you say is the worst you ever bombed a performance? And what did you learn from it? Oh, gosh. You know, I part of me and part of my heart is I have always there's been times where I knew that a song didn't go well. I didn't connect well to the song or I didn't know the lyrics as much as I should have. Uh You know, like I think that's a part of me is that I am an overzealous person. And so sometimes I get out there and I perform to a song that I think that I really know the words to and I don't. Um, And then that's been something that like people have like made fun of me about like on a consistent basis, you know, like I'm a good performer because I'm a good performer and I've got a great heart and everything like that. And, you know, I'm a big believer that drag is 80% off stage and 20% on. Mm -hmm. So like bombing in terms of that, like I'd say that my biggest bomb, you know, has been the whole eight reindeer monologues stuff. And it was just cause like I didn't, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't necessarily on stage as a performer, you know, I just didn't, I didn't handle it as well as I should have. And it sh- should have been my first show that I directed and produced here in New York city. And I failed at it, but I don't really view it as much as a failure as a, let's make it better next time. Make mm-hmm. it successful. It's a good outlook to have. That's what you always got to have. What would you say is a number or routine that you've seen someone else do that you wish you would have come up with yourself? Oh, my God. The first thing that I mention uh, that comes to my mind is the there's a mix that I saw Chlamydia Clap do at the vault for the Slammies. And it was this like musical leader Chicago mix. And she used a lot of like YouTube personalities and it was so great and so brilliant and so funny. And I was, and it was the first time I ever met her. And I was like, that was everything. I wish I did it. Finally. Do you remember the first time that you performed and when you finished, you're like, okay, I have something going with this or okay, I'm actually pretty good at this. If you've had that moment, yeah. I would say before I started Weirdo in Denver, there's this competition called Ultimate Queen. And um, Evie Oddly, I don't even know if you've ever heard of her before. (laughs) She was and is a local Denver queen, even though she won RuPaul's Drag Race. She was the judge of this competition that she had won years prior called Ultimate Queen. And the I jumped into it. I was the oldest contestant in it. I had never done drag before. There were people that were so prettier than me. Um, I was the last one to be called and like accepted into the competition the week before. But one week, with the help of one of my friends, the theme was cosplay. And I put together a Pam number from <laughs> Archer. Um, <laughs> and it was an awesome mix. And I ended up winning that week. 
Congratulations. Thank you. And it was a shock to a lot of people, specifically myself. And, you know, like knowing that I had won in a race, I ended up getting like seventh runner up or something like that. So like eighth place in the competition. (laughs) But, you know, looking back at it, I, the fact that I had won something, that was the first time that I was like, okay, maybe I do have something here. Maybe I am as good of a performer as I've always thought I was. Cause like I got accepted into UNC's theater program in Greeley, which is a big deal for anybody that's in Colorado or the West, you know, like people know what UNC is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't end up doing it because I would have had to just start college all over again. And so I had always questioned myself and who I was as a performer, as an actor and as a director. And so winning, you know, one of the first actual nights of competition in a show was great. And then the success of Weirdo and still seeing how great it's going right now is, you know, by far and away, like my biggest, like you're good at what you're doing. Mm -hmm. The community needs you and the world needs you keep going and keep coming up with new ideas. And that's kind of what's working on me right now. And I think that's the perfect place to end it. So with that, where can the people find you, follow you, see you, and or consume your media should they desire? Oh, I love that. So you can find me on Instagram at Vivica Galactica. That's V-I-V-I-C-A-G-A-L-A-C-T-I-C-A. You can find me on Venmo at Tip Viv if you happen to have a couple extra dollars uh, in your Venmo account. And um, I am, th- this is probably going to be the kick in the pants for me to start it. Actually, I um, I just got weight loss surgery. And so um, I am doing, I really should be doing a podcast. Um, a call, and I've networked it called Go Go Galactica. So um, if you want to follow along my weight loss journey specifically, you can go to Go Go Galactica on Instagram and also look for that on um, podcasts here shortly. That's the goal in the next couple of weeks. Um, other than that, if you are in Brooklyn or if you live anywhere in New York City, you can come find me every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock at the Buren off the J train, the Kajuko station. I think that's how you say it. Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we have bingo at 8 o'clock and it's great and fun. Also, look out for the incredible and wonderful talents of all my friends at the next MTA. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you.